All right, so today is August 17th, and about a month ago, you were on the way to where, Grace? I was on my way to Gulu, Uganda. Okay, and what what took you out there? Yeah, so I am a financial campaigner and financial partner with Freedom 424, and they do outreach trips, uh, bringing in people from all across the country uh, to go on these outreach trips, in particular getting to observe their partners that help um, men, women, and children um, get out of the human sex trafficking industry. Okay. And was this your, this wasn't your first trip with them, was it? No. So four years ago, before COVID, I got the opportunity to go with them to Thailand, um, okay. which is probably one of the hardest trips. Okay. So we, we could maybe talk about that in a different episode, but we're yeah. talking about your trip to Uganda. And so we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes too. You mentioned Freedom 424. Do you want to give us a little description of what that is, and then people can get the full story in the link if they need to. Yeah, so Freedom 424 was started by my friend Christine Gillette uh, in her sophomore year of college, discovered that there was a huge need of raising awareness and educating people about the human sex trafficking industry. And so they partner and help raise um, financial funds to uh, support their um, either local or overseas partners that are fighting against human sex trafficking. Gotcha. And so that's what took you to Uganda specifically? Specifically to Uganda to be an encouragement to the ministry over there, uh, Christine's house in particular, and also to see about opportunities of leading more teams over there. So bringing more people, whether it's through New City or different channels that I have, and actually working with Freedom 424 because they're always looking for for a certain number amount of people. And so uh, kind of being that bridge between my connection with Freedom 424 and bringing those that don't know. Gotcha. So in some ways, it was a it was a trip with a specific purpose for this time, but it was also sort of a vision casting. You're thinking about other opportunities down the road. Exactly. Now, were you in the same spot the whole time or were you moving around? We were moving quite a bit because sport out, sports outreach ministry is also they have a close partnership with them because they along with freedom 424 built christine's house okay. and so there is this uh, collective partnership about getting kids out of the slums and getting into vocational or sports programs to provide them with other opportunities and it helps kind of become uh, locally aware of who might be uh, sexually exploited or in human trafficking. And so therefore they have that direct connection mm-hmm. to Christine's house to kind of create communication channels of finding the right candidates to bring in. Gotcha. So that it keeps them connected to the broader culture in some ways and kind of is, is sort of an outreach in and of itself, but has a, a larger purpose to it. Exactly. So while our main goal was to minister to the girls that were at Christine's house, it's just kind of good... Uh, good uh, relationship building to show that like, hey, we're we're also seeing what sports outreach ministry is doing and the different schools that they're building. And so uh, seeing how some somebody like Freedom 424 and sports outreach ministry have the same common goal, even though they're doing different projects. Mm, gotcha. Now, what what kind of drew you to this? Not not necessarily this trip in particular. I feel like you probably had a connection to the ministry through your friend, Christine. Uh, but what what led you to end up on this particular trip this summer? Yeah, so I think what was really hard was uh, when COVID hit, um, a lot of different countries were greatly affected. And mm. so this was the first trip to Uganda since the COVID lockdowns. Okay. Um, so it's been a huge challenge for Freedom 424 to get back into the countries where their partners are at. Um, specifically, uh, Thailand was one that I was planning on going back to in 2020. Um, but because of just 
health issues and also the things that in regards to getting there and all the different like loops and hurdles in terms of COVID just made it very difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, So Uganda ended up uh, coming randomly on my radar. I got an email notification about like, hey, we're still looking for applicants. Uh, We're extending the deadline. I thought I had missed the deadline for the trip. And so it just ended up falling into my lap. And it was great because there weren't all these um, crazy loops and hurdles because so much has been lifted since COVID. Yeah, yeah, because I think if I remember right, this wasn't necessarily even on your radar six months ago, maybe? No, it wasn't at all. So it was a very big whirlwind and just exceedingly blessed that I was able to get in all the funds within the short amount of time I was given. Yeah, just the doors opening last minute. Because I could see, too, it was one of these things where really the Lord was leading you to go on this trip, because otherwise... Why else would you go on a 10-plus day mission trip the day or two days after middle school summer camp? Yeah. Like You just like wear yourself out at camp and then take a deep breath and fly halfway around the world. I seriously wondered if everybody thought, like, is she right in the head? And it's like, no, it's like literally like God had opened up every single door and even preparing me spiritually, I think. In any time that I've done, uh, whether it was the outreach trip to Thailand or done um, any financial campaign or raising funds for Freedom 424, I've always experienced some form of spiritual warfare. And I feel like I felt so loved just by New City and who partnered with me and who really like prayed over this trip. And for me that I honestly didn't experience really any hardship. And actually I felt when I left middle school summer camp and obviously was like tired. You're dealing with middle schoolers. Right. Um, but I just saw Jesus go above and beyond of providing me with ways of just continually pouring myself out. Like I didn't feel depleted at all during yeah. the trip until the very end. But, until the very end, of, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like you, you kind of are sustained through that extended period of time. I, part of me even wonders like, well, maybe it actually makes more sense to do it that way. Like you just kind of, you, you gear up for it and then you just do the two things back to back. But I'm guessing you're probably not planning on doing that next summer. I don't know. They invited me back next, next summer. Okay. So depending on where middle school summer camp falls and the Uganda trip, hopefully, uh, hopefully they won't be as back to back as they were, but I definitely saw like how Jesus showed up. So, mm. you know, don't see why he wouldn't be able to do it again. Well, so, yeah. So hopefully this wasn't lost in the narrative here, but you mentioned COVID. And so you also mentioned you first went to Thailand four years ago and then were planning to go back in 2020, which if people are keeping score at home, that means you went four years ago and you were planning to go back the next year. And if COVID hadn't happened, maybe you would have been doing this every year since then. Is that probably fair? Yeah, that is very fair to say. Like, it would be, like, I would probably have gone to Thailand and then the next year probably looked at, like, a different country to go to. Because they have partners, um, not just in Uganda and Thailand, but also um, all the way over in California. They have a couple in Virginia and then Ecuador and India. And right now, India is the one that's locked down pretty tight. Mm. Um, compared to Thailand now. Right. And it, Thailand was not, you may have already said this and I just missed it. Thailand wasn't an option this year because they still restrictions and so everything. So they're open, but there's definitely still some like restrictions in terms of like, I think making sure that your COVID like tested, mm-hmm. they're still wearing masks over there. And so okay. again, there's still some other things that could be hurdles for some if they have, um, certain things in regards to the vaccines or even worrying about traveling because you're over there in Asia. So you're kind of in close proximity from where like the virus originated. So gotcha. I think there's also things and worries that surround. Yeah, that there's well. some psychological things related to that. So next year you may go 
one way or the other. But tell us a little bit more about your trip this year, though. We, we kind of we looked ahead at just to establish maybe that this is not something you just did randomly this summer because it came up. It's something you would have been doing regularly and planned to keep doing regularly. So, but this particular year, what what really stood out to you on the trip? I'm, I'm sure you've got. I mean, we're eight minutes in. We could probably go for another. 45, 50 minutes easily, but what what are the highlights? Yeah, I think some of the big highlights for me and what I heard and what drew me to the trip was Thailand was a very heavy trip, and obviously we can probably schedule another podcast mm-hmm. to go more in depth about that trip. But with Uganda, I heard there was just a lot more joy surrounding this trip. So you're not necessarily like when I went to Thailand, we were actually ministering to girls that were still being trafficked versus these were girls um, at Christine's house that had been already rescued and had been already going through counseling, rehabilitation. Mm. And so you're dealing with um, girls at a very different stage versus those that are yeah. in it and those that have like left that lifestyle in pursuing um, a life of hope. And I think that was something that was super encouraging to me was actually uh, seeing like, wow, this is what it looks like when girls have actually gone through a a rehabilitation program. Yeah. And uh, I think what we were told was that like the country of Uganda has like the most joyous people in Africa. Mm. And I think there was just even a lightness going there into the country was seeing how responsive they are and actually um, positively receptive to the gospel um, being presented over there. And so as these girls are being rescued, there's not like this rejection of Jesus, but more so recognizing how much they need Jesus in their lives and Mm -hmm. how much um, Jesus does provide these girls with the hope that they need after being sexually exploited. So to hear their beautiful stories, I think, was also another highlight of just hearing these girls who had either been gang raped or um, felt like they had no option and became child brides or were kidnapped and forced to be child brides and then hearing stories of them talking about I forgive those who have wounded me Mm. and hurt Mm. me and I'm choosing to raise uh, their child um, is just exceedingly powerful and uh, very very humbling because I feel like in some cases and and I'm sure we hear stories in the U.S. about redemption and hope um, but sometimes I feel like the um, issue of abortion seems to kind of cloud over those stories and it's more about um, you know making sure that the woman doesn't have a reminder of something negative and yet um, hearing from these girls that they've been uh, provided solid biblical counseling and uh, provided with a place of safety where um, they're being loved on and encouraged and um, hopefully being provided with uh, vocational skills that give them a chance to you know be entrepreneurs or work or go back to school and uh, to have them look at their child as not something negative but something beautiful Mm. and to be seen as a blessing versus a curse or or an awful reminder right yeah that's a huge difference and that's got to be such a stark contrast of your trip to thailand where it's people still enslaved and are maybe you know wanting to get out but not able to versus in this case they're already out and they've been in this rehabilitation program that's helping them like as you said establish this sense of safety and security and then they can kind of build on things from there and then there's I'm sh- there's probably more of an openness to the gospel at that point but then there's also there's still some significant barriers but it sounds like from what you're describing like God's really powerfully at work in that ministry over there and with those girls that are coming out of this sex trafficking industry absolutely and I think it also helps and again like no government is perfect but it sounds like even the government 
holds to some type of conservative values. Like for the most part, Uganda, like, you know, we had to dress a certain way and kind of uh, present ourselves in a certain way. And so for for them, very conservative. And at the same time, seeing how that conservative mentality has also affected how women are viewed over there. So women are still seen as second class citizens, um, viewed more so as property or someone to like give birth to children when it's financially okay and things like that because we kept hearing that like um, a lot of these men that were like becoming like husbands to these young girls to rescue them out of their uh, their poverty state um, when they would get pregnant they'd say well either abort it or I'm not going to support you so there is this kind Mm. of hard thing of where Uganda is in a in a financial state as far as um poverty very similar to the caste system in India so there's very wealthy middle class and then you've got like poor and then the slums and so you we were actually told like it's actually very sectioned off in Uganda like they said like if you want to go to a movie theater like you go into the very wealthy areas which are not around where we were in Gulu okay and stuff so yeah is that particular to Gulu itself or is that just because of where you were in Gulu I think because of where we were in Gulu but for the whole of Uganda we were kind of told that like their financial state like the dollar their their currency is always shifting like the volunteers um with sports outreach ministry kind of told us they said yeah we're not really given a salary because when donations come in and we're paid we're kind of paid based on where the current like where our currency is right Mm. now and stuff and so that was very fascinating to me of like going huh i never thought about that about how you know you know we're so used to here in america when we send missionaries over you know they're raising support based off of that and they're set by their currency or everything's mapped out based on the country but for those that are doing who are the locals there and they've partnered you know with say a ministry and how they're paid it looks very differently um so yeah but um amazed that like finances don't seem to uh you know averse them from still doing god's work and realizing like um because we would hear from some of the male um ministry workers and they say we have an obligation um to the young boys here in Uganda to minister and disciple, but also show them how they are to view uh, women. And that was super encouraging, like that they see like, oh, there's a problem and and we are we should be part of the solution to that versus like, you know, depending on programs to fix it. But mm. for them as a people that they need to work together yeah. to, to change the the unhealthy generational sin patterns. So it sounds like there's a lot of there, there's a lot of hope there is what it yes, sounds like. Absolutely. Um, I think that was encouraging. So like another highlight was um, Freedom 424 does these um, annual races called Run for Their Lives, particularly in Lynchburg. And you can actually get a kit um, that helps you kind of do it in your own state if you'd like to do it. Um, but we did it there in Gulu. And it was amazing to see. I think we had like somewhere between 150 and 200 like local people in the area there in Gulu show up for this race. Now, I guarantee it, like, you know, there were prizes and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but we got to actually emphasize about, hey, the reason we're doing this race is not just so that you guys can win a prize, but it's to draw attention that the girl child matters and that she deserves, you know, to be valued, to be given worth, and to be respected as made in the image of God. And so uh, it was really cool to see, like, this race has been going on since, um, I think, Christine's house has been established, which I think has been for, like, maybe it's got to be over, like, 10 years now. And so they've been having this race, like, every year, which has been encouraging that like it's drawing attention from the locals Mm. 
That's good. So uh, what other, let, let's do, let's say this, let's do one more just story that's going to stick with you. And then maybe let's talk about kind of what you see as a future for your trips over there or just something you can invite other people into. So what's, what's one other big, uh, maybe uh, I remember in, in our conversations off, off air in staff meeting, uh, Damien was talking about something he referred to it as life altering, not necessarily life changing. Like it, maybe you have a life changing story, but what's in that category of life altering? Yeah. I think what was a beautiful story was um, we were told that the girls would draw like form attachments with us and you know kind of how jealous they would get in terms mm. of forming new friendships especially with foreigners because they don't see them that often okay um and so i remember i got the opportunity um organically share my story with a small group of girls as we were working on an activity and i'd shared about like oh like i used to have purple hair because one girl had purple hair and we were scrolling through photos to try to find it mm. and we found it but then they saw a picture of me and my mom and i clearly didn't look like my mom for those that know my story i'm adopted and so uh i asked the one of the managers there from christine's house to translate my story and so i got to share with the girls about feeling rejected, feeling abandonment. And that's what a lot of these girls' stories were. And mm. I think what was just so beautiful was there were two girls um, out of that group had, who had heard my story and just started forming, like, an attachment to me. Like, they would hold my hand as we'd go and, like, pump water in uh. the evening or, like, lots of hugs or, like, lots of, like, very, like, almost kind of, like, clinging. But it was, like, it showed um, in a sense that they felt some sort of connection. And for because they couldn't speak English fluently they could speak some but like to them it was like physical touch was a way of them communicating of I feel safe with you or I feel connected with you and um, yeah just kind of seeing that physical bond but also it pointed out to me like how unhealthy attachments that they've had in the past and yet I somehow brought about what looked like to be a healthy attachment through the sharing of my story but also showing like um, these women appreciate so much because they expressed it actually like they said we appreciate the fact that you came 7,000 miles and not easy travel to come and encourage us and um, yeah just experiencing such um, deep appreciation from them actually one of the girls who formed an attachment with me and it and it just changed my life uh, amazingly and I felt like awkward and like considerably honored and privileged by it but like we were sitting at um our dinner, we had served the girls a tradition Ugandan meal. And this girl uh, spoke to me in, in very, like, uh, broken English. And I had to bring over the guide again to, like, translate. But basically, she asked me to name her unborn child that was due, oh, actually, wow. this month. And I was just like, That's a big, I don't know what I've done to deserve this. That's but, a big like, responsibility. <laughs> I was just like, oh, my gosh, I can't screw this up, you know? Like, this child's going to be stuck with this name, whatever I choose. And so she didn't know the, the gender of her child. Um, they don't have ultrasound equipment available. And so I chose one. Uh, if it was a girl, I said, you should name her Joy. Mm. Because, especially because of how women are looked over there, it's like, I'm just like, I want this child to be seen and looked at with joy as a girl. And, and that she would be a joy to her. And then I said, if it's a boy, uh, you should name him Joshua, because Joshua means um, uh, he whom God delivers or he whom God protects. And so I didn't want to just haphazardly name her child and sure. say, I picked two random favorite names. Mm -hmm. But it was more of like, I felt like this woman has been deprived of so much and so much has been taken from her that it's like, 
I want her to realize that like I'm I wanted to give something back to her in the form of like I'm not you've asked me to name your children I'm not just gonna randomly name them but uh, give a blessing within their name yeah. uh, to provide meaning. It's so sweet. She's like, can you write them down so I don't forget yeah. and stuff. And uh, her name is Tracy, and she has big dreams and wants to be a doctor and help women just like her. Wow. That was, I think, the powerful thing was all these girls had expressed, like, any profession that they were going to enter into, it was because I want to help so that no one has to experience what I went mm. through. So it's, it's even as they're on their healing journey, they're thinking ahead to like, how can I give back and how can I be part of this, part of the change that I want to see in the world to use that, that kind of language. Absolutely. And there's heavy community, which was also another inspiring thing. Like everyone seemed to be in community while we're over there, even like, um, business owners, if they were right next to each other, everyone was just talking. Like, I think I saw like a cell phone, like every like 50 to 75 people cause they're expensive, but like everyone was just talking to each other like it wasn't like this weird like oh I don't really know you but it's like it's like you went back to the 90s yeah it really was (laughs) like it was really cool like you just see kids randomly out and about and I'm like oh my goodness I would never allow my child out and about like this but I'm like oh I was a child of the 90s and I went everywhere you know so so, we tend to forget yeah so are you going to be able to hear from Tracy sometime later this month to find not, out if it's Joy or Joshua? Yeah. Um, so one of the cool things, what I appreciate is Freedom 424 is still heavily connected. And so my hope is that I'll get to hear by the end of the month um, through Faith, the director, okay. about um, when Tracy's had her baby. Well, maybe when we do another podcast a little little later on in the fall, maybe we'll, we'll find out the the outcome of that. Well, as we close, tell us just a little bit. So you're, you already mentioned you're hoping to go next year. It could be Uganda, could be Thailand. Situations may change in a year. It might coincide with middle school camp. We just don't know. I mean, hopefully it's not the trip and then middle school camp. I feel like that wouldn't work as well. Like you got, you got to do the camp thing first and then, because you, you that can would be s- ideal, actually. Yeah, <laughs> if it was camp first and then the trip. Yeah. Right. So we we'll, we'll know more about it. But what are what are some of your hopes that you're kind of taking into this next? Uh, I think of it as a ministry cycle. It's school year. You know, going from August to May. Yeah, I think one of the things that I was challenged with and encouraged by while I was over there because the girls are all like somewhere between the ages of 13 and 17. Like mm-hmm. the youngest girl at Christine's house was 13, and so one of the things that was a takeaway for me was like going, how am I going to love my students so well this year? Mm-hmm. Um, after seeing uh, young girls around their ages having not been loved so well. Yeah. And so to me it's like, man, I was sparked with this. I want to love better than I did last year with my kids, you know, and I hope they know that I love them. You know? I, I, think that, I think they do. I hear things. I, I hear things. You've told me some stories too. So yeah. I think, I think they know. Yeah. So that was one part of it. I also um, have such a drive to actually like meet with parents or like other people that are passionate about seeing how we can fight human sex, human sex trafficking, not just um, overseas, but here stateside. Um, for those that because don't, it's not just an overseas thing. No, yeah. Orlando is actually in the top 15 cities for where the most human sex trafficking happens. Mm. And, um, you know, and I would say even just educating families, like I was at a gas station and I was nearly picked up by some, which I'm pretty sure was a trafficker. And so it's like, even for me as an adult, and even all my awareness, it's like, you just never know. Yeah. And so it's like, how can how can I, with my knowledge, like better assist parents or even young adults to be aware and mindful and to not necessarily live in fear every day, but just 
just yeah. be aware of your surroundings. There's a fine line there, for sure. I it's mean, like street smarts, you know? Yeah. It's like I'm aware of, like, I'm here or, like, it's this time of day or night or even, you know. Yeah, so. the odds are not necessarily good that you would be, but just knowing what to look for is significant. Yeah, and the internet may, has made it even that much easier for, you know, predators to be mm. able to find accounts. Like, I've found myself where, like, people are messaging me. I'm like, block, block, block. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. man, how many people have I blocked this month, you know? When in doubt, block. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, so that's part of it. Um, so loving students well, um, you know, providing education and resources. And then I think the other thing is it's like if anybody actually wants to be able to see how to, like, minister and possibly go on an outreach trip, I would love to, like, um, meet with anybody that desires that. Freedom 424 has trips where um, they'll do it only for females and for for good reason, Mm. Um, especially in Thailand. Those are usually all female trips just because of trauma that these women are experiencing or how we go about ministering. So there's a fine line there. Um, When we do trips to Uganda or any of, like, the local areas like Virginia or California, usually, like, those those will be co-ed teams because there's been a lot of, like, rehabilitation for the girls and there's not so much this triggering aspect for them if they see a guy. Yeah. Um, And so for me, it's like I would love to be able to get to a point where um, whether it's Thinking about partnership with New City and me being the the bridge between Freedom 424 and New City, um, but I would love to spearhead where um, Freedom 424 potentially like helps us like manage the fundraising part and like kind of leading and educating us when we go on trips. And for me, it's just bringing the warm bodies. And right. Saying, These people are very interested, and and then me just kind of being a seasoned um, attender on these trips, which is what Freedom 424 desires, um, is if. A seasoned uh, outreach trip goer is wanting to go like every year on multiple trips. Um, the idea is that like, hey, are you bringing new bodies in mm. to be raising aware and hopefully become financial partners with Freedom Four Twenty Four? Sure. Um, but it also helps having seasoned people because it's kind of like uh, when you have new people, you never know what to expect as a team leader of who's who's going to be rattled with emotions and mm-hmm. and which team members can actually be a source of like hey i i went through what you're going through exactly like last year here's how i coped and so yeah. you're not just hearing from team leaders you're hearing from those who have like gone before yeah well so we'll put some uh, we mentioned this already but we'll put some links in the show notes to freedom 24 so people can get more information there they can find you on a sunday whether you're just coordinating with city kids or you're, you're around and available and would love to talk with people so they can we're not going to say your email on here but they can shoot you an email and reach out that way if they'd like more information yeah absolutely and if anybody wants to hear more details of the story i'm willing to have like lunch cup of coffee i'm sure you have more stories that you can tell so <laughs> yes. for, for people that would like to hear more to, to that are curious about this ministry about the, just the way that you've been at work with them they can reach out to you but grace it's been great talking to you i've enjoyed hearing even more details about about your trip and i'll look forward to whenever we get another chance to talk thank you